0: Welcome, welcome. You're listening to our podcast, Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone. My name is Mark. I'm a registered massage therapist, registered kinesiologist here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And we have a really cool guest today. We're not in the office in Toronto. I jumped into the truck. I drove across a couple busy highways and I'm in Burlington, Ontario, sitting down with another massage therapist who does a hell of a lot of a lot of things. Her name is Brandy. Brandy, why don't you uh, tell our audience a little bit little bit about you and uh, we'll get into why we sat down today.
1: Oh, well, I've been a massage therapist for 20 years now, going on 21 years. So I've seen it kind of grow from 800 massage therapists to mm-hmm. almost 15,000 now. And I work in many different aspects of massage therapy. So I have my own practice, but I've also been an instructor or a teacher for massage therapy for 18 years. I also teach acupuncture at McMaster University for the last 18 years as a demonstrating tutor. And I'm on a lot of different councils. Um, and I've also done work with the CMTO and the RMTO and other associations in Ontario and across Canada. So I really love being a massage therapist, but I really love the different opportunities that's brought me to work with so many different knowledgeable people
0: and learn a lot of different things. So let's, let's back this up. 20 years as a massage therapist, why did you choose massage therapy Let's start there.
1: Well, I actually really love healthcare, so I'm a real science geek. I think even my students today say, wow, you're still a geek, like you still <laughs> love the body when I teach. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm such a geek. Um, so I really love science, and I wasn't sure what I wanted to do um, okay. at that time and what I could afford to do as well in terms of the length of school. And um, I applied to chiropractic college, physiotherapy, those things too, but the more I learned about them, I really like that one-on-one aspect
0: mm-hmm. where you
1: really take care of one person at a time. Um, so I would see, you know, five or eight people in a day and really dedicate my time to them. So I really enjoyed that part of it. Um, but I still wasn't too sure what I wanted to do. And it was my mom that actually guided me towards massage therapy. She said, you know, whenever I get a headache or I have a problem, Brandy, like you can fix it. You massage me, you stretch me, you tell me what to eat and you've helped me so much. And, you, you should either be a teacher, or you should be a massage therapist. And you do both. So eventually, I did both, and you know your mother's always right, right? Whether you like it or not. I know.
0: I don't. I don't want to hear me admit that, but yeah, it's, it's
1: true.
0: <laughs> cool. Where'd you go to school?
1: I went to school at Canadian Therapeutic College. It was their first year open. So, a little bit brave there to say, okay, there was only four massage schools. Um, three were really well-known legacy schools, but they were far away. And CTC opened up right outside my front door. Right on. So, I, I was, took a little challenge there. thought I can learn from a book. And I met some of the instructors that were going to teach there. And they seemed to know their stuff. And they did. And I graduated there, and I, I really enjoyed it.
0: What was your exposure to massage before going to massage school, other than you know massaging your mother for her headaches?
1: I had actually looked into a little bit once my mom had said it, and gone and got a few massages. Okay. And uh, I've always been a very physically active person, so I just noticed a difference right away. You know, I always had flexibility; I was a fairly strong, ate well. But once I actually started going to massage, I just kind of thought, you know, when you get. You, you just walk on your feet and you don't feel them. Yeah. Maybe we shouldn't be feeling our body. Maybe we should just be going through life and enjoying other things. We should be just being happy with our body, not thinking my feet hurt because I did too much today or, and not that I had a lot of aches or pains, but I did play a lot of sports at that time. So it made a huge
0: difference. So when did the, the teaching come in? So 20 years massage therapist, teaching for 18. So you're two years into your practice. Tell us about the practice that you were involved with before you said, hey, I'm going to teach. And how did you get into the idea of education?
1: You know, when you start out, you have a couple options. You can just start where is, is kind of convenient and able, available for you to learn. Or you can start where you want to end up. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to start where I wanted to end up. So I went to Ancaster Sports Injury and applied to work there in a Concession Sports Injury because I wanted to work in sports. And they also treat a variety of things as well. And at uh, that time, Dr. Trin was one of the you know, most foreknown sports medicine we hear a lot about sports medicine now but back then there was like two doctors that you heard all the time dr trin and dr levy rent in, in the area so i thought i just there a job opening was posted and i went in and interviewed and i liked like them and they said well we have the two different clinics were owned by one of the persons with in conjunction with dr trin and i started working at them immediately um and i really loved it and that kind of led into me teaching acupuncture because they both of them run you know cohen dr trin ran the acupuncture program master oh wow and so they said uh Brandy, do you want to take the program? And at that time, massage therapists weren't allowed to take acupuncture. It wasn't necessarily deemed in our scope of practice. So McMaster kind of lobbied with the CMTO and worked with them to say, here's our information. I wrote a research paper on information, sent that to the CMTO as well. And the CMTO looked at it and said, we think it is in scope of practice. You know, 91% of trigger points are acupuncture points. The rest are fascial points. It treats pain and dysfunction. It's definitely in your scope of practice. And the CMTO just went right on board. They said, you got the evidence, you got the information and everything they asked us to send, we sent and they said, yeah, it looks good. And so McMaster University was the first to take acupuncture students. And I was one of the first ones and another doctor that had come to Canada and became a massage therapist. And so then at McMaster, they said, are you sure massage therapists should be in the program? So they put us through a bunch of rigorous tests and exams and did some cadaver anatomy, which is totally interesting for the program, actually, and that you do along with it. And uh, we wowed them. So they said, yeah, let's have massage therapists in our program.
0: So wait just a second. Are you telling me then that you are, a major player in why acupuncture is in the scope of practice for massage therapy? I think McMaster
1: University is, and I yeah. had the opportunity to be one of those first people, right on. and I and I accepted that challenge. They said, Brandy, do you want to be one of the first people to go through the program to show that massage therapists can, and do you want to write a paper for us? And, um, you know, I have a, a Bachelor of Science in and I've done research before luckily so that helped and right at that time McMaster said well we're not sure because you know you don't do research you don't do pharmacology right. and it, the timing was so excellent because we were just implementing that in the schools mm-hmm. research and pharmacology into the massage curriculum so the timing just how it gelled together was really good but it was really the the group at McMaster that said why shouldn't massage therapists do this like we work with you Brandy we work with other massage therapists and you guys this would be perfect to implement in your practice to help aid what you treat right. um, you know things like low back pain you know you have those times where you have to go just a little deeper and it's going to cause the client a little pain sometimes before they get to the relief. And you say, just come in two more treatments and then you're going to see this huge change. You get to that point where you got to push them a little bit. And with acupuncture, you you can pop those needles in there. Pops, maybe not the best (laughs) word, but, you know, (laughs) confidently position the needles yeah. and they don't have any pain to that and it takes it away. And then maybe the next massage you can go deeper and, you know, get the same results with less pain for the client. So I really enjoyed it. That's how I started teaching at McMaster. I started teaching at Kirk Canada College up in Hamilton. And uh, there was just an ad in the RMTO and I was, a, I've been a lifelong member of the RMTO our association uh, but there was an ad and I said to my husband, hmm, you know, there's an, I was thinking maybe I would teach in a few years, yeah. but it's, there's an opportunity that came up and he said, well, just, yeah, you're ready. You go ahead and go for it. Your practice is booming. You know, you thought it'd be five years, but in two years, it's pretty steady why don't you apply and do a little bit of part-time teaching? And when I went in for the interview, the massage therapist was the massage therapist that worked across the street from me, where I oh, worked yeah. in Lancaster. And he had hurt his shoulder earlier in the year. Mm-hmm. And so all his clients came across to see me. And I tr- stayed late to treat them every night because there wasn't a lot of massage therapists in Lancaster. I think there were six of us at the time. So I stayed late every night to treat all of his clients. And they said, can we stay and come here? You know, these hours are great, Brandy. Like, you know, <laughs> working late at night and before I go to bed. And I said, no, you have to go back to him. Like I have a full caseload and I just, out of respect for another massage therapist, I took his caseload, but you need to go back to him. So, when I went in for the interview, he said, oh, well, you know, you've got your science degree and you've got your two years in and all the qualifications and you're certainly an ethical person, Brandy, because you sent all my clients back to me. (laughs) And I had never met him in person and I didn't realize that was going to be the person. So, it just goes to show you kind of what goes around, comes around. For sure, for sure. So, that's kind of my funny story of, you know, meeting uh, David and him hiring me to work there as an instructor. Right on. And it probably didn't hurt that I wanted to teach the sciences. And, you know, I'm a science geek, as I said, and not everybody wants to teach the sciences in massage therapy, not off the bat anyways, but yeah, I was like, sure. pathology, I could do that, no problem. Right on. Yeah.
0: So, give us the career path with the teaching and all the stuff that you've done at the various educational institutions.
1: So, I've worked at, I worked at Currican College for quite a time and it did change hands and become many different schools. And then I went and worked on with another school here in Burlington. And then uh, now I work at Trios College, mm-hmm. um, which has a very new program but Darcy Lane, one of the legacy schools, so kind of implemented the the old and the new with a very modern program. So I'm enjoying uh, teaching there, and I actually run the program there. And help design the curriculum, so that keeps me fairly busy. But um, also working for all those schools across um, schools in Ontario are really unique, and that we have our own, own school councils. So the community colleges has their heads of massage council, mm-hmm. and then I'm teaching in the private sector. So we have what the Ontario Council of Private Massage Therapy Colleges, the OCPMTC, and they are the schools are organized really to share information to help the students and to help the schools. So that's kind of a unique organization across Canada. I think the other provinces really admire that and are hoping to build their own associations that way. And it's made a really good communication mode between the CMTO and the schools and the RMTO and the schools. We call it the three pillars. But those three different organizations having such a solid association in our province and such a good regulator that's very um, diligent. And then the schools has been really great, so working on that council has really kept the community in Ontario very current, and information sharing is is wonderful, so that information is going directly down to the students. And amongst everyone, very fairly and and, e- and evenly. So that's been a really nice experience to be on that council. Um, I've had many roles just sitting on the board, but I've also been the president. Currently, I'm a, called a member at large, which is basically a name for we want another person on the council. <laughs> we don't have a name for it, so we'll just stick you in, the, in a new title. Ontario is very, very organized. And when we started, like I said, there was three, just starting four massage schools when I, when I came into being. And now there's over 45.
0: So what years... Were you involved with the Ontario Council? I
1: think I, I, I believe that I was maybe six years in practice before I. We reformed the OCPMTC. There was a previous school council, mm-hmm. and then it had um, just kind of uh, fallen by the wayside. They had some agenda that, and things that they needed to do, and then when those things were finished, they kind of stopped. Ian Marshall and Shirley Desborough, who are very um, well-known in our profession to be very passionate to move the schools forward, said, hey, why don't we have this association? It was really great. So, we kind of rebranded it, started it up again, and there was seven of us that did that. So,
0: And they were part of the original the original crew?
1: The original council that was prior to the OCPMTC. So, the funds were transferred. I apologize. I don't remember the name of that other council. It was so long ago, no. <laughs> but they transferred the funds and that council became the OCPMTC MTC um, and re- restarted officially, like formally, rather than just kind of a, an informal group. And uh, it's been very helpful, I think, to share information about best practices among schools, especially with accreditation coming mm-hmm. uh, this the end of this year
0: in Ontario. Talk to us a little bit about the accreditation process and What's happening? Cause a lot of current massage therapists, they will, they, some of them just have no idea what happens at the education level now that they're decades into their practice or even just a couple of years into the practice. It just might not have any clue what's happening on this.
1: So, um, I apologize for all the acronyms, but, <laughs> um, the CMTCA is our accrediting body. Um, so it's the Canadian Massage Therapy Council for accreditation. Prior to that group forming, um, we had looked at as, as the different school councils, the, um, CCMTS, which is our national school association, um, and the OCPMTC and the CMTO and RMTO had been looking to see who could actually accredit massage therapy programs. And most other programs are accredited by the CMA, the Canadian Medical Association. And, but because we're not regulated across all the provinces, they would, wouldn't really take us on, which only left us an American accreditor. Okay. And they're very, very costly to schools, which means it's costly to students. So a unique idea came up that all of these stakeholders, the regulators mainly, um, and the associations and the schools, again – not just in Ontario, but across all of the country, got together and decided, you know, what can we do? Well, let's just create a company.
0: Why is it important for massage therapy accreditation?
1: What that company will do is put a a third-party stamp. So even though it's been created by all of those different people, it is uh, Mm hands-free. So it is a separate entity now that it has completely formed and it's run on its own. And it allows the schools to do things in their own way. So it's not You know, a lot of people think accreditation is forcing the schools to do things a certain way, but what it's looking at is best practices. And as time goes by, best practices change. So it will go in and tell the schools, you know, here's where you're strong, and here's where you need to improve, and or here's an area where you can plan in five years to move ahead. Some of the schools have already gone in that direction. So accreditation will just make sure that the best practices are done for students. Um, It's a little bit of a a check check balance system. So when a school says, "I have a policy in fairness to a student," you know, Mm -hmm. how many times can you take a test? accreditation is going to go in and actually see that they're actually following their policies. And that, you know, when they are making an exception, that it's a very reasonable exception and that there's documentation and policies are followed so that things are fair for the student. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think accreditation is really just about improving, constantly improving. And I think in any business, whether it's education or your own practice, I think we also need that series of checks and balances. And, and a lot of people have it internally internally. You know, they go in and go, you know, what am I doing? Have I given exercises to people recently? You know, I've been a little bit lax with that because I have all these wonderful regular clients after all these years, but maybe there's some exercise I should be reviewing or giving them. Like, what could I do to make my practice better? Every once in a while, you need to step back and do that. So accreditation gives the schools the opportunity that if once they're accredited and they're doing it well, that every three years or five years, they have an official check. It okay. could be yearly as well. So the initial accreditation will be one year, but after that, they could actually be granted a three-year or five-year accreditation. Gotcha. And they can come in and say, you know, here's some areas where you can improve or you're doing great things and we love it. I kind of relate it to a peer assessment as a massage therapist. You know, the CMTO comes in and checks and if you haven't had your peer assessment, you're totally terrified, right? <laughs> but if you are doing things well, they yep. come in and they say, this is excellent, you know, this is excellent, this is excellent. You might want to consider doing this. I think, uh, you know, my last peer assessment, somebody cleaned the clinic thinking, oh, well, better clean up before Brandy's peer assessment. So, said, oh, by the way, they're coming next week and, <laughs> you know, um, they said, okay, fine. And I wasn't worried about it. I've had three before they're wonderful and you know the things they wrote you're very confident you're you know you've done great content education they give you feedback but they said you know when I went to get the safety supplies they had moved because when they cleaned they moved them from the area <laughs> And we always have backup, but it didn't quite <laughs> know where it was, right? Yeah, like, where are they? So I, I said, know. wait a minute. So I said, did somebody move the supplies? I said, oh, sorry, we moved them, Brandy. And they said, well, what if you were out? What would you do? And I said, well, we have a standing order with the pharmacy below. And they said, okay. So they wrote that down. And next time, make sure you know exactly right. where they are, which for me, I would definitely know where those things are. But some, you know, someone was trying to help me out and make sure things were super clean and move the drawer over one where,
0: our, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: where our masks and things first. <laughs> <were>, so, <laughs> you know, nobody's perfect, but it's good sometimes to have someone come in and go, you know, this would be a great way to do this. And it, sometimes it saves you a lot of time and effort too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I think you, you have to look at it as a, a helper, you know, and if you look at it that way, then it's usually a great experience.
0: So the accreditation process, this is for the regulated provinces, but it's also open to schools in the non-regulated provinces, right? Yeah. So
1: that's how it, how it was recently. There's been a slight change to that. So okay. regulated provinces or non-regulated provinces who are contributing what's called a, a we have a special funding model for the business. Okay. So if they're contributing funds to kind of subsidize, I guess is the easiest way to, to summarize it, then they would be allowed to accredit.
0: Gotcha. So, and this is the association that's contributing funds. Yeah. So in non-regulated
1: funds. would be associations, that's correct. Or some other model that they can come up with. So some of the other provinces are trying to come up with a different model because you know some provinces have many associations in quebec i believe there's over 60 that we know of but quebec is actually interested in accrediting which is we've had some contact from some of the schools there which is excellent that's amazing but currently right now some of the regulated provinces have signed multi-year agreements for funding so ontario has signed those for example Mm -hmm. um you know uh new brunswick newfoundland um, those areas. So, um, other provinces are deciding how they're going to do that because the cost of accreditation is quite high to the schools. And we all know if it goes to the school, then it goes to the student, right? right? And students don't typically have as much money. So, in some ways, it does come from the members of the profession.
0: Yeah. Did I read somewhere that Ontario puts up, I think, like 22 or $23 from registration fees or something? Maybe I read that completely yes, wrong.
1: Yes. It does actually come in our registration por- a portion of it. And the right. school also pays some of it as well. So it's a it's a shared model. It's a unique model, um but there are other accrediting agencies that do that. If we want to see good people coming to the profession, they have to be able to afford it. And unfortunately, you know, massage therapy, we we are moving up in what we we earn, but it's not one of the richest um healthcare professions yet. So it's nice that they, you know, we can help the future students. Of tomorrow so you know some members might say where is that money you know why do I have to pay that money but I'm certainly if they were a student they probably would want someone to, to yeah. assist right
0: but um, I can also see that from the therapist standpoint where you're like you know what I'm I'm 20 years in I'm two decades in what what the hell do I care that happens at the school system I'm playing devil's advocate here and,
1: and I do agree yeah I, I would see some people saying that you know I, I have enough things to pay for what's more but at the same time you know if you look at a school having best practices and doing things fairly and and really well that's such a great example for the Student, and the more the students see a great example like that, the more likely they are to just do it in their practice because they actually see that when you do things well and stay out of the, the black area and you stay out of the, the gray area and you stay in that like white breezy area, yep. um, That it makes your practice actually run so easily you don't have worries, you don't have surprises, you know, you do your content education, you submit it on time. Um, you just get in the habit of doing things in a certain pattern. And if you've always had that pattern shown to you and then you follow it in school, it's an easy practice to go and do it on your own. Um, and I think that's the hardest thing for a lot of massage shippers. They don't realize when you get out there, you really are working for yourself even when you work with other people. Right. You really do have to have a business sense. So I think having those best practices Move forward. You know, if we eliminated one discipline case that somebody didn't need, the cost of the discipline cases for the for the members at the CMTO, you know, and you're looking between one hundred fifty thousand to a three hundred thousand dollars per case. Mm-hmm. You know, if one person did better documentation and you know didn't maybe had better communication. Because they had seen examples of better communication and better documentation. Right, right. Um, then maybe that would actually save us more money than that $23 per person. So that's how I look at it as well. When you do something well, you save, where you pay in one area, you save in another.
0: Yeah, and it's just overall uplifting the whole profession. If we could start it from the education, then it's just going to bloom right into the profession.
1: This also involved in that is the Canadian Council of Massage Therapy School. So I'm also on that board as a member at large. And um, so they have been wanting schools to credit across the country for a long time. Um, The other benefit to accreditation, I think, on a national level is, um, you know, we had the regulators form what was called FOMTRAC, and they uh, made the interjurisdictional competencies, which is what we have to teach in schools, the same across all of Canada. And so accreditation uses those competencies. That's the first standard in accreditation. So what it does is even if other provinces choose not to accredit, what we are seeing is they're tending to use those interjurisdictional jurisdictional competencies anyways. So it's wonderful when you move to another province, what a client would expect from a massage therapist is the same in each province. Mm-hmm. And with accreditation, they may not choose to accredit, but they certainly can look at the standards for accreditation that are expected and still use those best practices, whether they're accredited in that province or not. So we're seeing a lot of the schools, like um, the schools in Saskatchewan, You know, they've been adopted interjurisdictional provi- uh, competencies. They, they would like to be accredited and they've, they've been working towards it, even if they haven't decided how they're going to fund the model for accreditation yet in the province. So, you see across the country, massage therapy becoming more uniform. And with PEI just regulating, the RMTO is right on board to get rid of that HST. You know, the more similarity we have amongst the provinces, the easier it's going to be to get insurance coverage that's similar across all of the provinces. Mm -hmm. You know, it's easier to eliminate the HST.
0: And mobility for a therapist. And
1: mobility for a therapist. Right on. I love massage therapists. They're such unique people. Like they're so, we have the science and we have the creative art side. But sometimes we just like to do everything... The hard way I find. It's so true. It's true, yeah. <laughs> sometimes we need to just look at what other people do and choose that great way they do it and just adopt it. And so I think we've kind of limited ourselves in some way across, it, at, at times, politically, um, where we could just, we all do want the same thing. So sometimes when I'm a, in a room with a bunch of different people and all these different things across the country or, or provinces, I think everybody here wants the same thing. We want to be accepted for this this wonderful profession that we have where we touch people with our, you know, our heart and our hands and we have the science that backs it up and we have the research that backs it up. And, you know, when I first started, you know, 95% 95% of referrals was word of mouth, 5% was medical, and almost all of them were for car accidents. Mm-hmm. And now it's swinging the other way. It's 90% medical referral and 10% is word of mouth because, of course, we're great. We do a wonderful job and everybody wants to come see us. But because everyone's already referred by the doctor, there's only 10% of the others left. So we've kind of swung the other way and it's been a really nice thing. But you do see when you go to different provinces, you know, how people feel about massage therapy is, has been slightly different. But we all want to be seen as people who care. We're professional. We do a great job. And we're effective. You know, people people see the difference. People feel good when they have massage. That's really inspiring when you actually see. And you want to see, you know, you have educators who want to have these amazing students. They want students to be better than them. You know, students always say, oh, you know, how did you feel about that, Brandy? Or, you know, they worry about how they do. Or they think they have this teacher maybe that they don't know you that wants people to... Fail or something. I people have that attitude if they've had a bad teacher sometimes, and I think no, I need you to massage me when I get older. You know, (laughs) like I've been in twenty years, and I'm still massaging. I have my own practice, and I still massage almost full time a week and teach and do all these other things. I need somebody to take care of me. Yeah, for sure. And I want an amazing person to take (laughs) care of me. So you guys do a good job. You know, graduate, get your practice going, and I'm going to come see you. Yeah, yeah. You know, so we are a unique bunch, massage therapists. We definitely are, and I think we're we're different, but we are more similar than different across the country. And I think we want to see a good education standard mm-hmm. we want to see similarities so when you know clients travel they say every massage I saw was was good and some were great and some were amazing but they're all good you know they're all baseline good and again some are newer some have been in practice for years so you're going to see that um, but none were bad. You know, they are all great. And we want to see massage therapists be able to, to travel around the, cu- the country and see things and do things and work at different places yeah. and have that mobility, like you said, Margaret. sure. Great.
0: Do you think accreditation will kind of weed out some of the not-so-great educational institutions we know that they exist right i
1: th- i think you know accreditation has been coming for a long time so um, you know we had a meeting with the CMTO and some other stakeholders almost 15 16 years ago where it was warned that it was coming and every year since then there has been some correspondence from the different stakeholders the people the associations everybody who's involved in accreditation to say it's coming so schools have had opportunity to move forward and do that and CCMTS OCPMTC and heads of massage for the community colleges have all had courses and instruction and materials to help with accreditation. And CMTC has courses to help schools prepare and you can call and even ask them for information on a particular standard, like what is the best way to implement this, you know? Right. And I think the thing with schools is they don't realize that they already do these things. A lot of accreditation practices, they already do them. Mm-hmm. It's not like they have to change everything. It's just that sometimes they don't document what they do. So sometimes it's a lot more paperwork, maybe an extra couple of staff people for paperwork. So smaller schools who maybe don't have a budget for those things, would have the most trouble. So we've tried to warn them it's coming. Right. And if you're not doing best practices um, a year before you actually apply for accreditation, then it could be a concern for you. Mm-hmm. You know, it could be a, a, a an issue for you, but it doesn't have to be, you should be preparing. So for the last five years, we've been strongly warning everyone, you know, get on board and, and get started. It's not something you do overnight. Turn your good practice into a, a great practice. You know, it, it does take time. Is
0: there a deadline for the accreditation process?
1: There's a timeline on the CMTCA website for accreditation. Okay. Um, the ministry is in the works right now of sending out some deadlines and information to schools. Um, but um, there is a timeline that was suggested prior. Which is? Um, it's just the end of this year. Okay. Mm-hmm, to apply for accreditation. Um First accreditation is one-year accreditation, and then after that, then once you've reached that one-year cycle and you've had a second site visit, then you can be granted a three, one-year, three-year, or five-year. Gotcha. So ideally, you know, schools would like to have a three-year, five-year, and it's just um, easier.
0: So what does it look like for a school that doesn't apply for accreditation before the end of the year?
1: Once the ministry deems that, if the ministry deems there is a specific date that you have to be accredited by, then that could affect their ability to enroll students.
0: Gotcha. Okay. This could be a good yeah,
1: thing. Yeah. So it, it really is up to the ministry what they do. As well, the CMTO, can decide whether they will accept students to write the exams. Mm. Now that ha- timeline has not been set out by them either because they're waiting to see what the ministry says and they always collect all the information, make fair decision. But once accreditation is deemed then they will follow that effect. And of course, they'll always give a timeline, like a fair timeline. like before they change the exam, they give time to make sure everybody's taught out. So for students who are currently in a program, they don't need to release really stress or worry. If the school hasn't gone through accreditation and they're preparing to go to their exams, what do you mean we won't get to go? No, of course they would they would get to go. But once accreditation is deemed to be in place that and by the ministry, then the CMTO would say, if you have to be in an accredited school, they only accept graduates from, a school that's accepted by the ministry as well. Right. So that right, makes right. sense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So people say, Oh, you know, it's up to them, but it's not really, um, but they're going to follow the guidelines set forward
0: by the government as they always do. Um, How did you get involved in the many organizations that you're involved in? I
1: can't really answer that easily because there's so many. <laughs> um, I've been a liaison to the RMT over some of those groups, but I think mainly just, um, you know, being passionate about massage and I think any, if you're one of those people that when you're in your job, you do want to do your best job and you do put effort in and people see that. Um, you know, you go, you go the distance. Um, yep. You know, you've been a teacher, Mark, and you've always gone the distance for your students and you, and you currently teach. Um, you want to make sure that your students enjoy themselves. More importantly, that they learn. Yeah. <laughs> um, and sometimes they struggle and that you, you guide them on that struggle, but you don't give them everything. Right. So I think if you're one of those people that just works through problems, um, in a cheerful, happy manner and is always looking for a solution and potential solutions, then you tend to get picked for things.
0: So these opportunities found you more than you finding them?
1: Yes, I think so. I think, you know, like I said, I went into for an interview to maybe be a teacher. And as soon as I walked in the door, you know, I pretty much had that job because of the type of person that I am. You know, my attitude is help others, don't harm others, and hopefully they would do it for you. Mm -hmm. Um, So never make anybody's life more unhappy than it has to be. Always try to keep it at least the same level or or raise them up. So I think when you have that positive attitude, it really goes a long way no matter where you work. And when you're a hard worker, it it goes a long way. So, you know, the students always say, what do employers want from me? And, you know, in all the interviews I've had to do for my students, um, they never say what their grades are. They would say, were they a good student? What they mean by was, you know, did they show up for class? Mm-hmm. Or, were they a pleasant person in class? But they always say, you know, are, they want to know, do they have a positive attitude? And, and are they going to show up? And are they going to work hard? Exactly. And I think when you have those three three things ingrained in you... Um, then things come along. Doors open for you. And I think the thing is not to be afraid to jump through them. So being a very young person and having someone say, do you want to sit on a council? Or do you want to go to a council meeting? I'm like, I'm totally in over my head. I don't know enough of this stuff. But I think what you need to do when you're new to something is know that Sometimes when you have someone like me who know, knows all these different things, it, it probably is scary to someone who n- newly joins those groups. Um, you know, I am on the, was on the acupuncture advisory council for the CMTO. And one of the new members says, well, you know, after I sat in here with all of you, you're all so experienced. And I just do acupuncture and massage and I've only been in practice for five years and we were like we need you because you're the key to what's happening with new people today like I'm out there talking to employers and I'm talking to my students and I'm talking to my graduates they're calling me saying I got a job and I'm like what what is it like but we don't truly know what it's like to be a massage therapist in today so you know I think don't be afraid of those opportunities go in and know that you have value know that you have worth and you have some contribution to make and yes there's going to be a learning curve Right. You're going to have to learn a lot of stuff when you go on those councils because maybe you don't know some of the regulations that apply because you didn't need to, but now you do. Um, but the thing is, somebody else on the council does, you know. So yeah. on the CMTCA, we actually have an engineer on our council, and so we have a non-massage therapist on the CMTCA board to let us look at practices and, and a perspective that's not necessarily our unique massage perspective um, to, to broaden our horizons. And you know, he's so great with policy and and just the things he always points out are those things that I think, oh yeah, like, that's great. Like, cause I would have missed that. Mm -hmm. And it was really important. So I think to know that when those opportunities arise, take what you have that's your your strength and don't be afraid to improve your weaknesses and just jump on board. And once you commit, you do it. Yeah. So those things, you know, you have to sign on for a term, you have to finish it. um, And maybe admit that, you know, I'm not the best person for this. I I don't feel I'm knowledgeable enough, but I'll do my best job and ask for help from the other people there. But those councils, they're groups, right? So- You you lean on each other and you hold each other up and hopefully you get a nice well-rounded council that does what's best for everybody, you know, thinks it through.
0: Have you ever sat on a council and it's like, man, I wish I wasn't here. (laughs) I know that (laughs) sounds sounds horrible.
1: (laughs) I would love to say no. Um, I wouldn't say necessarily on a council, but certain points in a council, you know, where you're at a point where you need to make decisions and you can see why the benefit of that decision would go one way, but you also disagree in some way. Um, and I think being an instructor, like, because I'm always vying for students, I think I see things from the student perspective up as well. Right. Um, that sometimes, you know, someone will make a suggestion while well, that it makes a great business sense and it, it makes a good, they'll say, well, you know, but that's going to trickle down to the student or that's going to trickle down to the public. So I think being on all the different councils has given me the perspective, you know, working with the CMTO has given me the perspective to protect the public. Um not that I didn't know that as a massage therapist but you're not always you you know that you do a good job so you're not thinking that you know you don't need to think about it if you do what, a good job right so i think then protect the student so i think sometimes when i'm on the councils you know everything's smooth sailing ahead and i go but i'm i seem to be the but wait a minute did we think about this person and they go oh okay great we thought we had a good decision but so sometimes I, the last meeting I was at, they said, you're not saying very much, Brandy. And I said, well, you know, Winston Churchill, one of the most quoted <laughs> men in the whole world, right? He said, one of his quotes is, if I could do it all again, I'd say less. <laughs> I said, I'm trying to follow that today and just listen to other people. So, I think sometimes you have to speak up and you don't want to. And sometimes things don't go your way and you know that, well, we've all discussed it. And maybe I'm the one that's not, 90, I'm 99% with that, but I, I'm not really sure. And you have to you have to move forward. So and then sometimes you just want to move forward. Yeah. You know, you get stuck on something and you're discussing and You think, can we just get past this and move on? Like how many times have we discussed this thing? Like or we keep going back to that. It's not really relevant. Like let's get get the job done. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah so I say there's moments on every council that I've been on, but none that I wouldn't have gone on again if I thought back on it. Yeah. Right
0: on. Huh. Yeah. What work were you doing with the college?
1: Uh, I worked on the acupuncture advisory council. So we had um, we have the interjurissectional competencies for massage therapy. Mm-hmm. But we really have no competencies for Acupuncture. We have standards of practice, which the CMTO has just updated. Um, so that's great. But we didn't really have standards, like what is the method that you go through? So um really great group worked on, on what they're uh one of the persons had been a massage therapist for you know over twenty seven years. Mm-hmm. Um one owns his own acupuncture traditional Chinese medicine school, one's a new practitioner, one works with the CMTO and is an examiner. So again, like on a lot of these councils, you have people with all different backgrounds, so you get all the perspectives, which is great. So you make the best decisions in the end. Um and we wrote the together wrote the standards within the competencies. So how to perform acupuncture safely. How
0: long does that take?
1: It takes surprisingly a lot of time. Yeah. And most of it is wordsmithing mm. nowadays because you know that sometimes how you what word you use for something is not necessarily what someone else. So how do you find a universal language? Gotcha. And how do you find a, you know, an appropriate universal language for everyone. It, that's really challenging. And then how do you make the instructions detailed enough so that people can follow them? but not make them so prescriptive that they have to do it one way. Right. When there are mo- you know there's a lot of different ways to insert an acupuncture needle and there's a lot of different styles. All that really matters is it's safe. So when it came down to that, you know, we had written all of these, but the one of the hardest part was how do you tell them to put the, how to put the needle in? We just came down to the wording insert needle. Right. <laughs>
0: you right. know,
1: just put the needle in.
0: After you guys sit around for days yeah. <laughs> going, how do we say this? How do we say that? <laughs>
1: so, surprisingly a lot of the work is it's It's. I think probably what I do, you said, you know, how do you end up on all these councils, is I'm a good risk evaluator. Mm. If this happened, what would our options be? So having that, you know, we teach it in school, ethical decision-making model. What are the potential outcomes and where are you going to go with that? I'm pretty good at at saying that. So that's just why sometimes I'm the, uh, uh-uh. (laughs) Maybe not. Do we think of this person? Yeah, sometimes just making sure that it's really easy for someone to look at that and go, I know what to do. Or you look at it and the instructions are simple. You can always call and get clarification from the CMT. You can always call the practice advisor. So then if the practice advisor, for example, they're at the CMT, which they do, they have one, you can call them and ask them anything. People are afraid to, but, you know, that's what they're there for. They're there to help you, right? So that you don't have to call later and go, "Uh uh-oh, yeah. Um, I think working in that capacity, they would say, Well, we have an acupuncture question, we don't know the answer. So they would ask the acupuncture advisory group if this what would you how would you respond? And we would all give feedback and then the CMTO would take that feedback and then of course make their decision because we're just advisors, we don't make decisions. They right. do and take that information. And they're really good to do that. So I think sometimes people are afraid of the CMTO, but they shouldn't be because I mean I've worked on different councils and they've also asked me advice on other things or I've worked with the the pillars the OCPMTC and you know worked with them in teams and in groups for different projects over the years um, like uh, branding massage therapy. You know, I was on the project team for that, where we all came together and came out with you know this marketing brand. And you can go on the RMTO if you site if you want and print the logo and everything on all of your advertising if you want. It's free. How much it costs to brand yourself? You know, it's you you know running your own business, even just getting the word out there, but actually having an actual brand is tricky. So you know they did it for everybody, but they really consult well. And I would say that's true of all the groups: the RMTO, OCPMTC, CCMTS, none um, CMTO. None of these groups make decisions lightly. They really do have representatives from as many broad areas as they can and really consult before they make decisions so that it's the safest and best for everybody.
0: The best for the most amount of people and go from that. You know.
1: Yeah. How do you protect people?
0: Tell me, uh, what do you think of the changes to the quality assurance program? We'll start first with continuing education and the cycle no longer and 30 credits no longer. What's your thought on that?
1: Um, I think once we have more information. Do
0: you think there'll be more information?
1: I think there will be a little bit more information coming out because there always is. Mm -hmm. Um, When you start a new program, I think it's...
0: Because like before, I don't even think there needs to be more information. I think it's all pretty freaking clear.
1: I think it is. But I think for the people that are total structure people who like to know the numbers like 30. So we need your organizational people that have to have a certain... They want to know that it's, it's... a specific structure they follow. So this is, a, I think a much more freer model and I think it gives a lot more flexibility. And I think it allows you to educate yourself in, in the direction you need to go. Mm-hmm. Um, because what was happening is a lot of people were taking, you know, maybe more, what's more convenient to them or repeating the same information Um, because they were trying to hit the category A's and category B's and, you know, they're trying to hit the the specific numbers in an area. And I think this seemed to recognize that they said, you know, people are, are trying to fit these things into a busy life where they have a busy practice, family, everything else. Mm -hmm. Um, and maybe that flexibility would help them become better practitioners by steering in the direction they need to and not worrying about the numbers, you know, because maybe you were going to take a course that would be better for you, but it was only worth two continued education credits and you needed eight. So you took the other course, which you maybe had already taken something like that before. So I think this gives a lot more flexibility, but I have had people ask me like, what is what do I do? Like, what is this new program? Like a lot more questions around and it's new. So of course you get that.
0: I think it's pretty self-explanatory. I mean, I'm also a registered kin, and the college of kin runs exactly like this. We have our annual self-assessment tool that we have to complete. And as we complete that self-assessment tool, we have to identify at least three areas of concern for, for, for ourselves. And then we create an action plan and with it, with a deadline as to how we're going to bring ourselves up to speed. And then we submit all of our stuff on an annual basis. So, I mean, I feel like the college has already put everything, out there, I don't I don't see there being anything different if it follows along lines with what I'm already doing at the King College. That's why I'm like, mm, uh, this seems pretty...
1: Well, I think so. I think it's just because it's new, people will have more questions. Yeah, they're
0: like big question marks. Big question marks. Yeah.
1: So I think as they go through it and they ask questions, the ones that do ask questions of the CMTO, the CMTO will put clarifying information out to those questions. Because again, like anything new, you thought you thought of everything. You know, as a teacher, I go and I think, oh, we're going to do this exercise today and it's going to be easy. And the students are going to have so much fun. And I get like 20 <laughs> questions and I'm thinking, why don't we just do it? Like, but, And then I say, okay, baby, Okay, background, a little bit. They go, okay, now we know what we're doing, Freddie. Right? Because again, sometimes you're thinking at a different level than other people. So yeah. as they ask questions, I'm sure we'll get information to those people's questions. But I think it's a very flexible approach. I like it.
0: What do you think of the, uh, the self-assessment tool?
1: I think the self-assessment tool is really important for new therapists. Because I think what they want to learn and they think they need to know for their practice and what they actually really need to know in real life can be two totally different things. So you see a typical new practitioner wanting to actually... Do more hands-on practical courses, which I wouldn't deter them from, you know, because those are the fun things that keep you inspired. Like, wow, well, you know, I went and learned this new technique, and it's awesome. So I would say, yeah, take some practical all the time. It's it's good for you, but I think new practitioners also need to learn about like HST until it's gone, right. um, you know, business practices. And a lot of these are really short courses. A lot of them are free, yeah. you know. You can how to, find free how to market myself, because some of them spend so much money on marketing and get no return on it because they're marketing, but they're not checking to see is there a return on their marketing? You know, is there a cheap and effective way to market? And, you know, everybody's like, well, I have a Facebook page, but, you know, that's not marketing. <laughs>
0: um,
1: so it's part of marketing, but it's not the whole shebang, right? Um, so I think people really need to learn other skills, So I think the self-assessment, like any self-assessment, maybe the tool's not necessarily 100% perfect, but it steers them to look at what were my strengths and what are my weaknesses. And I think when I talk to my students, I do the same thing. I say, you know, here's all of your strengths and here's your weaknesses. And they're very few usually, but they're all in the same category. You need to fix this because that would, Stre- strengthen even your strengths even more and I think even my students when I sit down and go here's all your strengths they go wow I didn't know I ha- was so awesome you know and then here's your weaknesses they go oh, yeah. <laughs>
0: um,
1: and we tend to avoid our weaknesses like anybody right when For you're sure. good at a sport you play that sport all the time you don't go play the one you're not good at right yeah yeah yeah, yeah.
0: the only thing I didn't like about the self-assessment tool and I, I spoke about this on, on a previous podcast. I don't think there was enough to evaluate yourself against for foundational knowledge. And that's the only thing that... And I'm I'm using the one that we do for kin as kind of the comparison.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good point. Because I think, you know, there are broad categories. So it's, you know, knowledge of anatomy and physiology. Well... That's a huge category, you know? So it wouldn't hurt to maybe flush some of those categories out. I think for people who need structure too, right? Exactly. Um, For me, I'm going to sit down and go, well, what's anatomy and physiology? Because I'm a chronic overcritical thinker, right? But for, yeah, newer people, it's helpful. I I actually give them the self-assessment in the school. And I say, here's a self-assessment. Pretend you're a massage therapist. You've been in practice for two years. Now fill out your self-assessment. Okay. Assuming like you're you now in two years, but we know you'll know a few more things. And they do it. And it does they actually all say it was helpful. I find it very helpful. Yeah. They also say it's very boring. <laughs> like, oh you yeah. know, do we have to how many times do we have to do this? I say, Well, maybe do it when you graduate, <laughs> you know, yeah. and look at yourself to say what foundational knowledge am I missing? But the problem with that is is big categories, like you say. So then we also pull out the inter jurisdictional competencies and go through all of those and say, Here's more of the specifics.
0: Right. So which is what you're doing with your students, but that person that's been practicing for seven years and they see this, they're like, Yeah, how do I how do I really evaluate myself on this? Yeah,
1: and they don't even maybe Know the current interjurisdictional competencies because they do change, right? They've just changed again in 2016. So um, they changed in 2012. 2012, they added knowledge theory of modalities, you know, and then they took that back out in 2016. But, you know, there's certain things that change over time. What we do is massage therapists, right?
0: Mm-hmm. So well, what kind of work were you doing with the association?
1: I have worked with the RMTO on many, almost all of those different groups that we've worked with. So the RMTO was pretty important to work with the CMTA as well, because it's the national association at the time that was working with uh, the council for accreditation to form the actual company, and also working on all the different councils, going back and forth the RMTO. I've also written a couple articles for the RMTO magazine. Right on. So I've written three articles. Um, my first one I wrote was "What was it like to work in a multidisciplinary practice?" Um, and did I like that? Um, and I like it because I like to learn. So I like like to learn from everyone else. And I remember my first. I think it was my second week I went in there and Dr. Trin put up an x-ray of a foot on the wall and he said what's wrong with this foot Brandy and I said well you know we never even saw hardly any x-ray pictures we might have seen the odd picture in McGee yeah. but it's not something now people see a few more x-rays in school and we talk about reports a lot more but back then it wasn't a lot of talk about how to read a report or an x-ray so I said well I don't really know but I'll give it a shot and I looked at it and I looked at it looked at and I said I don't see anything wrong with it looks good to me there's no <laughs> cracks the bones all dark white and where it should be it looks all right and he says well what about here under of the big toe and I said well those are the two sesamoid bones they look normal to me and he said very good and he started to laugh and I said why is there <laughs> nothing wrong with this picture and he says there's nothing wrong with the picture those are the two bones under the foot but when I show all my medical students they say there's a fracture there because they don't know there's two bones there because uh. massage therapists really know their stuff but he still tests me like that to this day <laughs> sometimes I will go on and tell them, how do you know that what, what's the information like everybody there is a research fanatic so or is is you know has master's in research and other things and they're all overachievers. So, you know, they're always testing you and quizzing you. So yeah, yeah. that's kind of what I wrote my first article about. And right the last right. one was about, um, you know, shoulder anatomy and injuries to the shoulder and why the shoulder gets injured so much more frequently than other joints.
0: Did they approach you for that or you went to them for um,
1: the- I think the first one, yes, I believe the first one, um, someone from the RMTO contacted me and just said, would you be interested in writing an article? That was the one that I chose to write. And they had, you know, of course, they're very, very good about having different perspectives. So they had other people writing about working in different, on their own or different practices. Um, and then The second one was, I actually was approached by Ian Marshall, who's the owner of one of the other massage schools, but he's not a massage therapist himself. And he was writing an article for the RMTO on massage mental health Mm. and some research. And he said, I really think I need a massage therapist perspective. So he sent me what he had so far for the article and the research. And I wrote a little bit and I sent it back and he said, well, that was a slightly different spin on the article, but I kind of like it, Brandy. And so we finished writing it together and that was the second one. Yeah. So, and the third one, um, I think there was just a call for articles and I thought, oh, I haven't written anything for a while. Maybe I should contribute. So you dig writing articles? I like to write. Right. Yeah. yeah i've been uh, I've been a reviewer for uh, Wiley Publishers. I've written a couple blogs for them recently on how to um, for instructors how to kind of not get stressed out. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, in in the Wiley blog recently. And uh, my first uh, work with Wiley was for the uh, Anatomy and Physiology textbook for Tortora and Derrickson that most of the schools use. Um, that's one of the two most popular. And um, they asked me to review it. And they were, I was reviewing, um, the one that was, uh, the version that's for healthcare. So anatomy and physiology for healthcare. And I sent back saying I really liked it, but a couple of the, I did the review, but I also sent some comics back saying a couple of the chapter openers I found a little bit, you know, there was one on Neuro for the Brain, for example. And it was just a little bit negative, like kind of when I first started reading, I was like, oh, if you get a brain injury, well, that's it. Yeah, yeah. So, I said, maybe write it more like this, like a little more, more positive. And they said, we really like your writing style. And I think I do write like that textbook. That's my kind of similar style. And yeah. and uh, so, they said, can you write some chapter openers? So, I wrote quite a few chapter openers for that book. Right on. And uh, I've done uh, quite a few reviews for pathology textbooks as well.
0: Look at you. Yeah.
1: So, and those are things that just kind of fell to me that they would contact the school or somebody and say, do you know somebody who'd be willing to, to review it? A textbook or mm-hmm. and I found the, the you know the most recent pathology ones that I've done really interesting because again they have new a lot more information on muscle diseases. Right. You know about mitochondrial disease in the muscle and things like that. So um, it keeps me really current. You know textbooks are not always a hundred percent current with the research, but it, it gives me a good overview because what I'm interested in research and what I'm doing it may be different from getting yeah, yeah. a chance to read you know, you don't read every research article you come across. You read the abstract and yeah. hope you glean some pieces of information from it, right? And you might read the conclusion and then you move on because you just don't have time to read everything that you would like to read, and, you know, and then read the good novels you want to read too, you know? So, I I like writing. Nice. I like to share my knowledge. I think um, if everybody just shared more of their information and their knowledge, I think you would have the same perspective, Mark. So, um, you know, then uh, everybody would just get better and better and better.
0: For sure. Why should uh, every RMT in Ontario be a member of the association?
1: Um, well, I'll give you my my one little story that I sometimes tell my students, but, um, you know, everybody wants to know what the association does for them. Um, but if we don't have the association, then when we do have an issue with the fees the government's going to charge or just another group, we don't have a unified voice. And we certainly don't have a unified voice across Canada, like we've mentioned earlier. It's starting to move in that direction, but we just don't. Um, so without that association to have a unified number of voices, we're really left to ourselves. Like even we wanted to get rid of the HSD, the RMTO did a great job at doing that. And you know, at our school, this my students did a great job. They actually petitioned everyone in the building to fill out the form because mm. you didn't have to be a massage therapist to fill out that form online. That went to the government. You could be anyone. Right. So my whole family did. I have a huge family, so that was like 900 people. And then the, all the students in the school did.
0: Wait, wait, wait! Tell me, tell me. 900 people. That's your students, or are you? 900 people. Your family. I'm
1: like, <laughs> my My family. My dad's like the oldest of 12 children,
0: and yeah, I have a huge family. So are um, you guys? Are you guys East Coasters? No. Okay. No,
1: all from uh, Northern Ontario. I'm just curious. Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just a big family. Just happened to be that way. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, or was it? Oh, sorry. So, yeah, yeah petition, you know They petition. tried to petition, but, yeah. you know, not, even though the RMTO is doing its, its job, they don't have a huge amount of funding if we don't become a member. Right. So they're limited in what we can do. So people's, com- like, I, I find a lot of people you know, it's not their fault that you can't know everything. I mean, you can't certainly be on the pulse of everything at every moment, but a lot of time they'll blame the CMTO or they'll blame the association, they'll blame people for not getting things done, but everything takes money and everything takes time and everything takes a unified voice. So if we don't make it clear either by, providing our voice saying, you know what, I support this. I want you to move forward with it by signing a, the petition to get rid of the HST was an example. Um, or providing money to those groups. I mean, we have to pay a registration fee. But like you said, some people say, why do I have to pay this in the registration fee? Well, I trust that the CMTO will use my fines appropriately. And they do publish it every year to let us know. I, I, I trust in that. I, having seen it for so many years, I, I have faith in them that they're trying to do what's best for the public and everyone else. So, When I look at those things, we haven't had a unified voice in a lot of stuff. And even though the RMTO did a good job, people, the massage therapists themselves didn't always do their part. But the RMTO kept going and arguing, you know, and they still meet with the insurance. And when you listen to the RMTO's annual general meeting and they tell you everything they've done in the year and all the groups they met with, how many times they met with the ministry and mm-hmm. how they're getting people on board with massage and all the things they do. And, you know, when Andrew LaWarn speaks and tells you all of those things, I think, wow, I didn't even know any of that stuff. And they have a very busy schedule um, out there for massage therapists. But when I started, we got paid $14.52 for every WSIB claim that we yes. did. It was pitiful. There was only like three people in this whole area that did WSIB claims. I was one of them. I think Scott Dartnell, maybe it was someone, somebody else. And basically just, you know, small injuries like hand injuries. You cut your hand, maybe do some fascia work and, yeah. you know.
0: You do your 10 minutes and you're like, okay. Yeah,
1: you're, Yeah. <laughs> And then they said, no, it has to be an hour for $14.52. And we all said, that's crazy. We pay more in rent than that. You know, we would be making negative money. And then the RMTO, the WCB, came out with the low back pain study. And they asked chiropractors and physios. And the RMTO said, called them and said, why don't you include massage therapists in the study? Well, little behold, what did they find was the most effective treatment? Mm. Massage therapy. And only a few massage therapists took part. So they said, well... It's looking good. Massage therapy is coming out the most successful for low back pain. Let's expand the study. And WSIB did. And so in the, after the course of that one year full study, that second one, we went from $14.52 to $48 in yep. change. And it has increased since then. So that is the biggest pay raise that I have ever seen in any profession. <laughs> you know, like almost 500%, yeah, right? Yeah. In one year. Um, and that wouldn't have happened without the RMTO. So when you get a pay raise in one area, then all the other areas say, hey, it's it's valued, it's respected, it's, it's worthwhile. Um, and so the amount of money I had paid into the association at that point, you know, if I just did a few WSIB claims that year, I would have gotten more money. I've made money. I've made money by being an RMTO member. So I think that's my unique perspective is there's so many reasons everyone will tell you to be an RMTO member. But if you really want to come down to what everybody asks is, why should I pay my hundred or hundred and some odd dollars a year to be a member? If you've been a member, you will find out that all the things they do, you will get that money back and more. So the number of times they've gone to the insurance, like the MVA insurance and said, no, you're not paying us $45 a visit. That's half of what we make now. That's ridiculous. And set that fee higher. Um, They've made us money. Yes. So all the members that have paid in, if I take all my adding up over 20 years, and when I first started, the fee wasn't $100, it was $400 and something. Mm. That was a huge chunk of change for a new massage service. Yeah, for sure. So they managed to go to the insurance companies and say, well, we have hardly any incidents. Massage therapists are very safe practitioners. So why don't you reduce our rates? And they had that rate dropped. And then they actually, the rate was for the insurance was dropped so low that really your in, your membership has been free since then. So what they have done is actually saved me more money than I've actually put into them over the time. But if I didn't put that money in, nobody would have done those things, and probably I'm, I would honestly say we probably wouldn't be covered for any insurance claims or other things like. Because no one would have lobbied for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They are a lobby group. So if you want to have a voice, you need someone to speak for you, or you need to take all your time to go do that yourself. And I don't know about you, Bert, but I don't have the time to do that.
0: Stuff. No, I, no. well, I got lots of time because I just do <laughs> <laughs> I drive around and put on the headset and talk to RMT. So apparently I got lots of time to do stuff. <laughs> I don't yeah, we had, we had Andrew on and it, it was great because the bottom line is it, all that stuff that you have no idea that happens and where we are and the happy place that you're in, You're welcome. That type of thing. Like we do all this stuff and you don't even know what we do, but yeah, it was great. We definitely need them. What do you think, I know I I keep asking questions like this you're like, don't ask me this. (laughs) I don't want to say the worst thing, but in the last, say, five years or so, what do you think they could have done a little bit better?
1: Um, Raise funds, get more people to be members. And I think uh, I said that five years ago, so I I think I can fairly say that. I think I was in a meeting um, and I said, you know, maybe you need to start telling us all the things you do because- I am in meetings where I hear all these, I'm in meetings with you and I see what you do. You know, I see people from the RMTO being on boards. I see the number of people who volunteer for the RMTO, you know, kudos to them. They're, they get so many volunteers and really trying to look at what massage therapists need and doing it, yeah. but we don't know about it, you know? And so they they upped that and they start doing the Friday file and things like that. And they really did listen. And I think we need to continue that. You know, we need to, they need to be telling people what they're doing.
0: I know, and I almost feel like it's this, this weird vicious circle where the funding that comes in is not enough because we need manpower to do these things and when we do these things is when people see what we do and therefore we get it's like this really strange circle it's
1: catch 22 yeah yeah yeah, yeah
0: I think they just need someone to come in and be like, you know, I'm going to volunteer and be your social media person. And I'm going to make sure everyone knows what happens here on a social media standpoint. And then it'll explode.
1: I think so, because they are doing amazing things. You know, and I think same with the college. The college does a lot of amazing things. Like they're very progressive to get things done quickly and efficiently. And they consult on everything. They don't Mm -hmm. do things lightly. They get a lot of people together. The RM2 gets a lot of people together. And people you would like someone just like you is on that council mm. you know um and it's helpful so i think having been on many different groups like that you know they really all do a great job but people don't know. But I think it's also part of the RMT. They need to want to know. You know, this the, some of the information is out there and they're not looking at it. So sometimes people will, you know, I, I'll go to places and people will complain and give their opinion on something. And I don't always jump in because people do have the right to their own opinion and to, and to be heard. But sometimes i will say, well, did you know this? Or did you know that? Or did you know? And they go, no, that totally changes my opinion. Because mm-hmm. they're not necessarily in the know of what's happening. And it's so hard for massage therapists to be in the know, I think. It's it's not always their their fault. Cause it takes a lot of effort. Sometimes we have great information coming to us, but sometimes we're just so, you know, we're in one little room, you know, we're in a little room in the dark all the time. And then you're coming out and you're charting and you're going back in and then you go home to your life. And so sometimes it's not like other jobs, you know, you can be on your computer and you can, when something pops up, you can take the time to read it for a few minutes. But when you're in your room, you're with your client the whole time. So I think there's a, a limitation there and in, in how that information, and sometimes it comes out in such big amounts. Mm-hmm. You just, you have to either read it right away, which is what I do. Um, and I have to be in the know with the th- other things that I'm on. I, I definitely have to. Yep. Um, but, or I put it aside and I have to mark a time to do it. Um, but for a lot of people, you know, life keeps going on and you go, oh my gosh, I haven't read that for three months. And then fortunately it was the regulation that changed that you didn't read, that you you didn't follow, you know? And that's that's really sad. Yeah. Um, because probably they're honest, good people, you know, sometimes. Um, so yeah. We're in our little room with our people and we're focused on them, which is awesome. It's good, but it, it is a limitation sometimes to keeping current knowledge when things are popping, you know, other jobs is just popping up in front of your face all the time.
0: How popular are you in the massage world? Because you should be super popular. In other words, there should be a ton of massage therapists in Ontario that know your name.
1: I think it's like being on student council at school. The ones who want to know your name, know your name. The rest really don't care. <laughs> you
0: think so? <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, I'm just sitting back and like, I okay, so maybe some background. I. I've come to know you from being at the Ontario Council meetings. Yes. And now I'm like, the, most of this stuff I had no idea about all this other stuff with the, the articles and the textbooks and everything else. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what the heck? Like, oh. Why do I know Don Dylan's name and not yours?
1: Because I don't market and advertise. See, that's the problem when you don't market and advertise and tell people what you do. Hmm. <laughs> so I'm I'm guilty of doing the same thing I just saw the RMTO, but I'm a self-employed person. I don't need to. I don't do things for that's what I mean. popularity. You do, you, you, I do because You cause... do this
0: from a from a very genuine, humble place, but You do some important freaking stuff. Like everyone should know who the heck you are.
1: Part of sometimes doing all of these different things and why I don't also advertise all of the things that I do. Like people say, Oh, what do you do? I say, I'm a massage therapist and I'm a teacher, you know, Uh, or instructor, sorry, is the better, is a proper term. So I'm a massage therapist and I'm an instructor because it's overwhelming for people too. And I think sometimes when people meet you and you do so many different things, I've been a massage therapist for 20 years. Mm. I didn't start out with all this knowledge and all this experience and all these opportunities and these these things, they come to you over time. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes when I, even when I, meet my students at the beginning. I tell them a little bit about me. Um, You know, I have my own practice. I've been a massage for 20 years. I do acupuncture. I'm on a few councils. If you have questions about stuff across the country, you can ask me about our own province. Feel free to ask me questions about anything and I'll try to answer or I'll find out who can tell you the answer. Um, Because, you know, part of being good at what you do is knowing who else to ask. And so, you know, people say, oh, continuing education. I say, oh, I got a great guy you can go to for continuing education, right? Um, So, you you grow in your profession and you learn these things. And as you do them, you don't, I don't never did them for credit. I always did them because I wanted to share my knowledge. Yeah, yeah, And I had a few great teachers along the way that also shared their knowledge that way with me. I had a few that maybe were not as wonderful teachers, Um, but I never let that stop me. You know, I just think the more we can give that information to other people and leave this place with a, with a positive um, perspective now, in terms of being popular that that 's a double edged sword because you know um, some people might not love some of my decisions and things that i 've done on councils or necessarily agreed with them, but I think the thing with all of these groups and all these people is we all do have. The same thing we want for massage therapists. We want a massage therapists to go to work every day mm-hmm. and be safe and love their job. I mean, what better job is there than this? People walk in the door. Like, the first thing they say is, "Oh, I couldn't wait to come see you today." <sighs> yeah. Um, when I was in university, I wanted to. I was thinking about being a dentist. You know, because I'm a science geek. <laughs> and then now, when I think back on it, I think two things. Well, nobody walks in with that huge happy <laughs> smile to get their teeth cleaned. Um, but everybody walks in with a smile saying, you know, I'm so glad to be here yeah. and having clients for many, many years now. And I have the, the nicest clients in the world and, um, you know, they come in happy and you know, they're, they're not necessarily injured because I've had them for a long time. They're people coming in, maintaining their health, you know, they're walking in and they're happy and they're living good lives and yeah. you're happy to see them. And, um, when you're off work for a little while for, uh, you know, whatever reason and you come back, you, you know, you're, you, you want to see them and hear what's happened in their lives. And, and, and sometimes you don't hear much, you hear five. Five minutes in there, relax the rest of the time. But you look forward to your, your job every day. That's what I want to see for everybody. And I want it to be a nice stress-free environment where they know what they can do, what they can't do. Yeah. And if it's a gray area, take the time to really think it through and do what's best for your clients and you, you know, or your students and you.
0: Yeah. So
1: I think, you know, moving through my life, I don't, I, I do things for, I have a real high sense of internal achievement. Yeah. I do it for me. Yeah. So it is kind of selfish. I do do it for me. Like I do it because I want to do it and I want to achieve something yeah. and I set that goal for myself. There's
0: no tr- there's no true altruistic act. Every there's No, so. and I, <laughs> we
1: do have external recognition, but we also have internal recognition. I have a really high internal recognition. I like to I like to set a goal for myself and I like to finish it, I like to achieve it. Yeah. My goals should be something that also helps other people achieve their goals. Um and that gives you a good sense of self-worth, right? When you do things that help other people and you mm-hmm. set that goal and you achieve it. So it's a win-win for everybody. But it's, it's something I've always, I have a drive to do things. And I, I find being competitive with other people is, it's not good for their self-esteem or yours. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm internally competitive with myself. Mm-hmm. I always want to better myself. I want to write a better article. I want to give better information. I mean, I work in accreditation, best practices. I'm yeah. always trying to fix things. And sometimes <laughs> I have to remember, if it's not broken, don't fix it. Or yeah. it's really good. Just, yeah, don't say anything, just let it go. And sometimes I don't need to create new things. I just need to use what's there that's already amazing and recognize that other people do do a better job at things than me and use that information and those tools and those people. And and I've been lucky enough in my life to have quite a few people in my life that I would call... I don't think they would call themselves my mentor, but because just being around them and being inspired by their passion for the profession, and, um, or as, you know, even an owner of a school that's not a massage therapist, you know, um, wanting to just give information and share information. I think the OCPMTC was like that, you know, when you sit up there and you have, um, uh, um, Ian Marshall talking and he's like, whoa, this happened in our school and, you you know, mm-hmm. giving you a story and um, this, you know, wonderful story that we can all learn from. It's it's just a great experience to share those things. And I think that's the nice thing about massage therapy that when I started um, was there wasn't competition. So, students say, what's different now? And I think there's more massage therapists now and there's there's franchises and chains and there's other other profession, healthcare professions that have a similar scope of practice, but when I started, massage therapists helped each other. They talked about each other, and they referred to each other, and everything about a massage therapists was good back then.
0: Would you say that's the biggest change that you've seen over the, the 20 years?
1: Yeah, I think people think they have to compete. Still, there's a lot of demand for massage therapy. We ha- we do not have enough massage therapists out there to meet the demand, and if we started educating the public a little more as to why they need massage therapy uh, regularly from like birth to death, um, or end of life, I should say you know, they would realize that you don't need to compete you just need to do a really great job and you need to learn a little bit of marketing to get people in the door so they can see how wonderful yeah, you are that's, that's the key that's yeah. the, for new people they think they're just going to hang their shingle like we said and have a Facebook page in, and it's shocking to them um, but once you get you know you get your five years in you usually love what you're doing
0: yeah 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 business side of it most RMTs just they're just kind of lost
1: yeah and that's the hardest thing for new students yeah. yeah and that's why I have a lot of students contact me and they'll say Brandy you know um, I'm not sure about my continued education cycle. and I'll say well go here, Here's." The the information read it if you have questions then let me know and and people say oh you know some of your former students still contact you and ask you questions and I mm-hmm. think well I'm instructor for life yeah. you know like if I called somebody if I called you and asked you for help you would answer and remark like you would say brandy well here's where you get that information um we should we should not compete amongst our own profession we should
0: raise it up yeah, yeah yeah I have a problem with that though no it's not <laughs> it's not a real problem I I love helping people out and doing stuff like I do a whole bunch of things just because and it helps people out. But then sometimes I have this, it's my wife, she's like, why do you decide sometimes you want to totally burn this with somebody, like get into it with somebody and then Mm -hmm. why it can be a parallel thing, but somebody else and you have such a different way about it? Well,
1: I think competition is good. I'm not saying it's not like sometimes I have students in my class that are 100% competitive with them and it works for them because they push each other up. And sometimes I think the people that, I don't get necessarily that way with people that I, I don't necessarily think they're doing a great practice because I think people will see that. I think I have that genuine, I mean, the people, sometimes people go to massage therapists just because it's routine or habit and they're used to that person, but there will be a time when they go to someone else and go, wow, what a difference, hmm. you know? I think people will see, right? You can see the genuine. Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can see the genuine. So when you see people who really love what they do or put their heart into it, whether they love it or not, but they put the effort in um, and really do a, a good thing, you'll see it. And so I think you, when you're that type of person yourself, you gravitate towards that. So yeah. it, the competition weeds itself out. So I wouldn't say maybe I'm not competitive. But I have faith that the strong will survive. Yeah,
0: yeah, 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 yeah. yeah kind and of that's Darwinian also that spirit. It's also yeah. that that internal achievement thing. You're like, you know, yeah. what, I I I've got me going on. I know what I'm doing here, and I'm hitting my goals. And you know what? Everyone else I don't really care what's going on around me
1: yeah and it doesn't mean I don't look at them and go what are they doing with that I could be doing right because I think that a smart person they, like again you don't just invent everything yourself you look and go hey they, that's really nice you know why don't I have that that's that's easy I could do that right that doesn't cost a lot of money I can do that and you but the thing is you do it I think that's true of anything when I've gone to see guest speakers. You know, uh, one of the best speakers I've, I've seen in a long time is one of the ladies that uh, owns Massage Warehouse in the States. And she comes to Canada and does, like, lectures. But I love listening to her talk. And she's selling you stuff, right? She's selling you stuff. And I think, wow, why don't I sound like that? <laughs> like, she's, and it's not a sales pitch. She's just genuinely funny, interesting person who loves massage and loves product you know she likes it and she's talking about this pillow and how great it is and like i swear every person in that room left with that pillow but you know what it really was a good pillow yeah, yeah, yeah. right i think I was probably the only one that didn't buy one but it's because i'm cheap but <laughs> <laughs> but um you know sometimes when you go out and you see things i think it doesn't matter it doesn't have to be in your profession i think i kind of have that internal competition and everything yeah, yeah yeah like i go out and i see things i think i want to be better at that yeah. i want to do that better and it could sit it could sit for 20 years right? Like sports, I'm pretty average at sports. Like I'm, I could say I'm fair on everything. I'm I'm the player you have on your team. You know, you're going to do okay. Not your star player in everything. Certain sports, I'm star, but I can't, couldn't catch a football to save my life. I'd always get that bloody nose, right? hit me in the face. That'd be it. And then my friend Mike said, do you want to play? And I like catch at the beach one day or something. I said, no, no, I don't feel like having a bloody nose today at the beach. And he's like, I can teach you. I'm like, so many people have tried to teach me. And I'm like, okay, you know what? That internal competition, I got to just at least do it once. Right. So he showed me and ever since I've been fine. But the student said once, Brandy, is there anything you can't do? Right. You know, you do all these other things other than massage. Like, you know so many other things like and I say I like to learn right I like to learn things Um, I might not use it all the time but I like to learn it he used to always say I can't catch a football but (laughs) now I can catch it most of the time nice nice
0: right on this was fun anything else you want to wrap on
1: no I think you asked me a ton of grilling questions really you really did yeah you asked me did it
0: feel like I asked you grilling questions though
1: well I expected you to so I guess was. did you really yeah well you said you were going to so I'm going to ask you questions about all different things from (laughs) all different realms because you're involved in stuff and you really didn't tell me what we're going to talk too much about today Yeah, so,
0: I didn't know until I sat down on this really comfortable chair, which <laughs> I think I want to stay on for the rest of the day.
1: <laughs> well, this is actually my office space. This is my waiting room for the clinic. Nice. I did it. Their work here at, at the house. Yeah. And then my bathroom and my my uh, massage room is there. And then the rest of the house is separate. So I do work from home and I do work still at Ancaster Sports. And I still work, uh, occasionally I work at Concession Sports, but uh, I still love it there. So uh, I have a good relationship with everybody, but I still work with all the people there at McMaster University. So. Nice. Nice. It's been kind of nice. So yeah, I do. I've been really, I think lucky in my life that i've worked with great people too i lucked into working in just the best possible places and with really truly wonderful people yeah. um so that keeps even when you've had those moments like you said is there any time you just want to go oh like let me out of here um i think that i can sit back and rely on them and and they push me forward you know where they come in and i'm thinking oh you know i've got a busy day today and then i've got so much to do when i get home and you know, I got to file my taxes today and I got to, you know, do yeah, this yeah. and that. And they'll say, oh, I took this course on the weekend. You want to see this really cool thing I learned? And uh, it's interesting. They keep you going or they'll say, oh, you know, um, we had a new physiotherapist, you know, and you just, we, we joke around a lot at work and I think have fun, have fun. is probably the one thing I would say to people is, you know, it is work, but it's a, and we are professionals and we have to behave that way. And respectful everyone, but at the same time, you know, have good fun. You know, like our new physiotherapist came in and he was eating potato chips, like a little tiny, teeny tiny bag of potato <laughs> chips. And I thought, what a sad little bag of potato chips. <laughs> and then I said, you know, um, I know it's just your second day. And if you need any help, let me know. If you have a problem with the computer or anything at all, you ask me, I'll help you out. Or you can't find anything, feel free to ask me or anyone else here will help you. And he's like, everyone here is so nice and wonderful to help. And I said, but, you know, you might not want to eat those chips around here because we do not allow junk food in the club. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh- <laughs> He had that moment of, should I eat the rest of the bag? <laughs> <laughs> like the three chips left? Or should I put it in the garbage? <laughs> of course, I just left the room.
0: Right?
1: <laughs> and then a, he quickly ate them and then hid the bag at the bottom of the can. That's
0: hilarious. And then about 20
1: minutes, I came back and said, by the way, nobody has oh, yeah. a problem with you eat chips here. Like, by, and we all love chocolate. We all love food here, but just in moderation. So he's like... You should be an actress. I don't know. That's not my calling. I haven't worked on that profession. To get, get Maybe
0: the it. internal competition when you watch yeah. watch the next movie you watch, you're like, yeah. I, so I, can, sometimes, I can do that.
1: <laughs> sometimes don't take yourself too seriously. Don't take things too seriously. Have have fun. You know, enjoy, enjoy every moment of things as it comes.
0: All right. So and in closing then, since you brought this up, you win the lottery tonight. You still doing all this stuff?
1: Well, I actually thought about that whole, like if I had so much money, what yeah. would I do with it? And I thought I should start a cruise ship where all the clients that have come to me for all the years just come for a year for onboard therapy. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> is even, that a good idea? It's a fabulous idea. We but can just go cruise around the world and everybody who has helped me can just pile on the ship and get all the massage and physio. And well,
0: they can't see the look on my face tour. right now because, because <laughs> even in winning millions, you still take a selfless thing and go with it. I would be out of here, close up shop. I'm doing stuff for myself. <laughs> Screw everybody well, else. I would be. I'd be
1: touring around the world. But um, yeah. but still,
0: there's still, there's a selfless option. I told you, there. I have
1: amazing clients for like 20 years. Some of them, I, I still have my very first client I ever treated a lot of them from the very first year. Most of them have just, you know, moved away over the years. But yeah, I think, you know, when massage, it's part of your life. It yeah, just yeah. became part of their lifestyle, right? So, and it's part of mine. I still go for a massage all the time. I can't live without it. Right on. And my husband, I think the longest I went for without a massage was about six weeks. And I, I think you can see I am a pretty whatever. Like I follow the rules at work, but at home I am pretty because I come from a big family. I am like, if you are not hurting anybody, have fun. And um, I think about six weeks, and he said, "When was the last time you had a massage?" I said, "Why am I cranky?" He said, "Yeah, <laughs> 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 yeah cranky. Go get a massage." <laughs>
0: nice right on this has been fun Mm -hmm. good catching up yeah
1: it is good catching up with you I want you
0: to be uh, a well-known name in this community I didn't come in with that agenda but halfway through I realized you do so much stuff I want everyone to know your name
1: yeah it's not that you don't get recognition the RMTO actually has invited me um, three times to dinner for dinner recognition and um, they do have a dinner recognition they recognize different members and uh, my category they recognize well as lifelong member of the RMTO obviously I am recognized because I am but um, my category was just someone who moved The profession forward like does a lot for the profession. I I mean, like give you a a title, but one of the reasons is just someone who is works in diverse ways to move the profession forward. You know, but when you you saw it when I started, it was totally different, right? Yeah, you know, very few schools, very few people, and now it's there's a lot of students and a lot of massage therapists out there, and yeah, it's a totally new world. Yeah, when we have internet now, we don't have to go to the library to look something. (laughs) And then students say, well, what did you, how did you look that up? I'm thinking, well, I had to go to the library in Toronto. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
0: Sometimes it blows my mind because I've got two little kids. I'm like, you will never know the struggle of trying to find a library book when it's not in the right spot. (laughs) (laughs) You'll never know what that's (laughs) like. Who
1: didn't return the book? It says it's here in the card index.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Card index. Yes. (laughs) Right on. Thanks for having me. This has been great. You're welcome. You guys have been listening to Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone. Peace.